Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattered Tales. I'm LM, your tour guide of this exploration of fantastic anthology. Tonight's episode follows the hopeful future members of Alpha Delta Phi, a co-ed fraternity with a unique hazing ritual. In fact, it's more of a game, really. Who will live? Who will die? And who will make it through the cemetery game? Night has fallen over Grimshaw Cemetery. Four pledges stand waiting to complete their final initiation into Alpha Delta Phi. Behind them looms a dark congregation of the popular co-ed fraternity. Alpha Delta Phi! With flashlights and lanterns in hand, they all listen intently as their leader, Blaine Haskell, stands at the gated entrance, preaching his sermon. The pledges standing before us tonight have the honor of gaining membership into Alpha Delta Phi. The pledges, Corey, Joanne, Ava, and Eddie, all glanced at each other proudly. This was it. Tonight is your last trial, a final test that must be completed before you join this illustrious group. Tonight, we play the cemetery game. Everybody knows about the Salem Witch Trials. A million books, plays, and movies have been based on it. However, very few are aware that six years prior, right here in our own town, the Grimshaw Vampire Trials occurred. Murder! Murder! There's been a murder! Little Susie Wheeler is dead! It all started when one of the town leaders, Theodore Maxwell, stumbled upon the body of his missing niece. Where is she, Theodore? She's in the cemetery. You mustn't go, Margaret. Susie's body. I don't want you to see what has become of your poor daughter. Something evil has drained all of her blood. No. Please, no. Maybe that would have been the end of it. Just a tragic death surrounded by strange circumstances and shrouded in mystery. But Susie was just the first victim. Order! Order in the court! Judge Adams, all of this has simply gone on too long. Nine unfortunate God-fearing souls have been taken from this community. There is a vampire among us. Will you do what's necessary to weed out this evil? Soon, rumors turned into accusations. Many people were put on trial. Most of them were put to death. When the murders didn't stop, Theodore Maxwell lost it. Convinced no one else in town could be the vampire, he began to dig up the bodies of every recently convicted citizen. One by one, he pulled them out of their graves and chopped their heads off with an axe. What? What in God's name 
do you think you're doing, man? The vampires must be stopped. Don't you see? This is the only way. You... You've gone too far this time. Theodore Maxwell, you're under arrest. No, you fool. This is the only way. I've tried to save us all. The thing is, in the end, Theodore may have been right. Because after that night, the murders stopped. Although, sightings of vampires have persisted ever since. All of them stemming from this cemetery. Our setting for tonight's adventure. Blaine pulls out a large iron key and unlocks the metal gate leading into the heart of Grimshaw Cemetery. All right, so before we begin, I'm going to split you off into two teams. Uh, Joanne and Corey are team one. Here's the duffel bag in your list. Ava and Eddie, you're team two. Here's a duffel bag and a list. Blaine motions for them to enter. Once inside, he shuts and locks the gate. So here's the deal. You guys have to stay in the cemetery the whole night and find as many of the items you can from that list. Then meet us here at dawn and we'll see how you all did. If we think you did good enough, you're in. Simple, right? Wait. How are we supposed to keep track of time? You took our cell phones. Everything you need is in the bag. Good luck. Watch out for the vampires. <laughs> the four pledges watch yeah. as the rest of the fraternity walk to their vehicles and drive away, leaving them to their fate. Looks like we're a team, honey. Guess so. But Eddie, if you call me honey again, I'm going to hit you. You got it, sugar. <sighs> Unamused, Ava grabs her gear and walks away. Hey, Ava, wait up. Okay, fine. You don't like sweets. Uh, how about baked goods? Come on, muffin. I'm drowning here. So, Joanne, ready to go? Guess so. Well, Ladies first. Corey extends his arm towards the path. Joanne smiles and begins her trek through the cemetery. Corey follows closely behind, carrying the duffel. Watching from a small mausoleum near the entrance of the cemetery are two dogs, Patches and Gary. Mm, I really wish I could warn these kids. They have no idea what they're walking into, Gary. We're not allowed to interfere. We only observe. But we need to tell them. This story has nothing to do with us. Best not to get involved. Fine. A few hours later, Corey and Joanne find themselves wandering aimlessly through rows of tombstones. Geez, either this list is stupid or we are. Maybe we're looking in the wrong spot? I don't think so. The clues are... Army of the Dead, so dead soldiers. An award for a service long ago, so that must mean a medal. Not much of a riddle. Regardless, this is the veteran's lot. It's gotta be here. Suddenly, a shadowy figure jumps out at Joanne from behind a nearby tombstone. Boo! Jeez, Eddie! I will speed! 
Sorry. <laughs> Ava walks out from the shadows and joins her fellow pledges. He's been doing this all night. Charming. Right? So have you guys had any luck? No. We've been trying to find General Brewster's Medal of something or other. Eddie reaches into his duffel bag and pulls out the medal in question. Oh. You mean this? Where the hell did you find it? You see, friends, my foolish demeanor is nothing but a front designed to lower expectations and provide reasonable cause to underestimate me. In other words, I know something you don't know. Shut up and spill it. Well, if you guys took a second to look around, you would notice all the plaques with fun historical tidbits written on them. Fine, I'll bite. What tidbits? The veteran's lot was established after World War II. General Brewster served in the Civil War, and the Civil War soldiers are buried on the East End. Boom. You just got schooled. Figurative mic drop. All right, don't be too cocky. Oh, hell no. I'm going to be as cocky as I want and exit this scene like a ninja before you can come up with anything that might steal my thunder. out, losers. Hey, wait up. Corey and Joanne watch as Eddie runs off, jumping over headstones as he disappears into the dark, Ava begrudgingly following behind. While the pledges continue their search, another hunt has begun back at the cemetery gate. The pale vampire, with its serpent-like teeth, examines the gate. He knows those who have entered still remain. The creature smiles, then begins to stalk his prey once more. Later, Joanne and Corey congregate by the pond, located at the center of the cemetery. They both sit slouching on the bench, right next to the shoreline, feeling utterly defeated. I still can't believe we haven't found a single item. How is that even possible? Isn't it obvious? We suck. You know what? I think this whole thing was rigged from the start. Maybe. We've been out here all night and haven't found squat. Meanwhile, Eddie and Ava have half their list done. They've got to have some inside knowledge or something. Now that I'm thinking about it, their duffel bags seem to have a lot more in it than ours. I bet everything we're looking for out here, they already have. Okay. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why would Blaine... There's got to be more to this. That sounds like Ava. Come on, she's in trouble. As they get closer and closer to Ava's location, her screams become louder and more desperate. Uh, Somebody... Please. Corey leads the way as he takes a hard right through a row of tombstones. By the sound of it, they've just about reached Ava when her screams suddenly stop. Corey and Joanne stop. They look around the area, but find no sign of life anywhere. Ava! Ava, where are you? Are you okay? Shh! Joanna cups her ear to try and pick up the strange, whimpering noise. Hear that? Hear what? Ava? Joanne and Corey slowly creep around the side of the tombstone. 
They both gasp at the macabre scene unfolding before them. Ava's bloodied body convulses as her final moments are on full display. The cloaked figure is in the midst of drinking her blood. The assailant turns away from his meal and looks up at Corey and Joanne. The grotesque face of the man was thin and pale as bone. His two obsidian eyes seemed to pierce right through their souls. Suddenly he smiles with two large snake-like fangs drenched in Ava's blood. Corey is the first to snap out of it. He grabs Joanne's hand and runs. Come on! The two flee for their lives, careening over tombstones and dodging low-hanging branches. Corey looks over his shoulder and spots the vampire's dark silhouette following them. Oh crap! Just then, while Corey was distracted, Joanne fails to notice the sudden drop of the steep hill ahead. In her panic, she has mistaken the change in terrain with a phantom shadow cast by a nearby mausoleum. When she finally realizes her mistake, Joanne somehow manages to stop before tumbling over. Unfortunately for Corey, she doesn't have time to warn him. the ground hard. Joanne looks down at his possibly unconscious body in horror. A moment too long passes and Corey still hasn't moved. Joanne carefully makes her way down the hill as fast as she can. She gets to Corey and rolls him over. Are you okay? I'll live. Come on, this way. She guides him to another stone pathway that loops around to the western side of the old cemetery. Did we lose that... that thing? I don't know. That was a vampire. Yup. Joanna zips the duffel bag and retrieves the pocket watch provided inside. It's ten minutes to five. The others should be coming back soon. We need to find the exit. Suddenly... The sound of footsteps approaching catches both of their attention. They simultaneously peer down one of the converging pathways. A familiar silhouette lumbers toward them at a casual pace. That's when Joanna's face lights up with relief. Eddie! Joanne, wait! Eddie, we're over here! Joanne stops dead in her tracks. It's already too late. Eddie isn't Eddie anymore. His face is now a pale mockery of who he once was. Deep purple veins across his cheek and onto his neck lead to two puncture wounds. Eddie? Eddie smiles, revealing two serpent-like fangs eager for a fresh kill. Ah! Joanne, move away from him! Corey rushes to her aid. Get off her! Eddie has a hold of Joanne and is about to take a bite out of her neck when Corey tackles him to the ground. Then, Corey gets to his feet, grabs Joanne, and the two of them run down an adjacent path. They only make it a short way 
before being cut off by another vampire. This time, it was Ava. This time, their escape was thwarted by the original vampire. It looms over them menacingly. What do we do now? There's only one option left. A large mausoleum for Theodore Maxwell. Over there! The two of them look around the dim, moonlit interior. Corey spots a rusted iron candle stand perched on a nearby ledge. He grabs it and jams it into the handle of the door, effectively locking it from the inside. Leave us alone! Joanne, look! Corey points out what Joanne originally thought was a nook in the far corner, but can now see that it's a stairway leading to a lower level. They run over to it and head down the stairs. The lower level is much larger than expected, The walls around them rise 15 feet to a vaulted glass ceiling that, despite being a level under the ground, seems to shine with a strange luminescence. Jesus, we're screwed. Don't say that. Corey and Joanne back up slowly as the vampires descend the stairs. Corey looks around for a weapon, finding one in the form of a broken chunk of stone. I'll create a diversion. When I do, try and sneak out behind them. We'll get you. Just do it. One of us has to get out of here. Now get behind something before they see you. Joanne nods, then sneaks behind one of the stone altars. Hey! Down here! Come and get me, you pricks! The three vampires, Eddie, Ava, and the original, enter the lower level. All of their attention is on Corey as they surround him. Corey does his best to stay calm. The only options now are fight or die. He grips the piece of stone in his hand and throws it square into the face of the original vampire. Oh, shit! The other two vampires freeze. Blaine? Yeah, who the hell else would it be, you psychopath? Both the vampire versions of Ava and Eddie have reverted to normal human mannerisms. Oh, God damn it! are you freaking kidding me? Wow, Corey, way to take it too far. Me? Everyone looks over at Joanna as she pops out of her hiding spot. Were you in on this? What? No! Look, I know you guys are mad, but this was all just part of the initiation. Every year, we try to come up with some elaborate thing to make all the pledges do for the final test. We almost called it off when you took that header down the hill. But you seem no worse for wear. Yeah, thanks for that. So you three were in on this from the beginning? Afraid so. Ava and I became members last year. Seriously? But you guys were there the whole time, through all the hazing. Even that thing with the, with the peanut butter and the, the pickle. What can I say? I was committed to the cause. Unbelievable. Hey, look at the bright side. You're both official members of Alpha Delta Phi now. You guys are assholes. A few minutes later, the five members of Alpha Delta Phi walk shoulder to shoulder out of the mausoleum. Guys, check it out. It's morning. Looks like you don't have to worry about vampires anymore. You really know how to rub it in. Hey, Ava. 
Where are the duffel bags? Don't look at me. It was Eddie's job to keep track of them. Ah, crap. I'll go get them. You guys keep going. I'll catch up with you. Be careful not to run into any blood suckers on your way. Eddie blows Joanne a kiss. She responds by giving him the finger. Then Blaine, Corey, Joanne, and Ava head out, while Eddie returns to the mausoleum. Soon, Eddie is back in the eerie lower level of Theodore Maxwell's mausoleum. There you are. That's when the strangest thing happened. Ghostly vapors begin to seep out of the ground and the cracks of the walls. In no time, the vapors come together and form the translucent manifestation of Theodore Maxwell. (laughs) The hairs on the back of Eddie's neck stand up. He slowly turns around. The only thing Eddie could think of was Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to play around in the tomb of a man who went crazy hunting vampires while dressed as a vampire. I'm afraid I can't allow an undead abomination like you to remain at this holy resting place. (gasps) Wait, 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 I'm not actually a vampire! Eddie learned two things in the last few moments of his life. One. Vampires might not be real, but apparently, ghosts are. Two, you really do remain conscious for a few seconds after losing your head. In Eddie's case, he lived long enough to see the ghost of Theodore Maxwell dissipate into nothingness. The end. (laughs) The Cemetery Game Written by Andrew Fortunato and Joe Wakefield Featuring the vocal talents of Ann Moss as narrator Doug Dorda as Blaine Chuck Pons as Theodore Maxwell, Rob Riddle as Judge Adams, Ariana Abraham as Ava, Nathan Hawley as Corey, Catherine Black as Joanne, Brian Lang as Eddie, Luke Fisher as Gary, and Cody Allen as Patches. Executive Producer, Rick Lug. Produced by Liziana Wakefield and Joe Wakefield. Directed by L. M. Fisher. Sound design by Luke Fisher. Tatter Tales is brought to you by Luke William Productions, LLC, Spooky Castle Productions, in association with Nagano Press Studios. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Tatter Tales. Stay tuned the 17th of every month for this season's take on classic movie monsters. <laughs>